everyone. Episode 26 of Beers, Business, and Balls. As always, presented by our friends at Anchor. Download the free Anchor app to get started or go to anchor.fm to create your podcast today. And by our friends at Dugout Creative, 15% off all purchases with code BBBPOD. As we are recording this right now, Will's flex in his Bronx short sleeve hoodie. Unfortunately, it's a week too late for the New York Yankees. But thank you for joining us. We are 26 episodes in. We are halfway there to a full year's worth of episodes. And we couldn't have done it without you listeners, of course, cheering us on. Thank you very much, Jake Zimmer, alongside Will Tondo. And at the time we're recording this, Will, we got some pretty big breaking news from the New York Jets. Le'Veon Bell got cut. Flat out released. What the hell are they doing? When they decided, like I knew there was the news coming on that they were going to trade, that they were exploring a trade for Le'Veon Bell. And that's been kind of a conversation since the offseason. Clearly him and Adam Gase do not get along. Uh, they don't really utilize Le'Veon Bell in the manner that he should be. Granted, he was hurt for a little bit. But when productive, Le'Veon Bell is a top 10, if not top five running back in the league. Um, it's just such a Jets move to fuck up Le'Veon Bell and not be able to utilize him. And they're going to, and they released him. And that's like the largest cap hit on the team too. LOL Jets. LOL Jets. It's almost, you can't script it better. And we'll talk about it a little bit more later on, but I mean, it's like, what the hell are they doing? They're so dumb and this is the icing on the cake of so many dumb decisions they've made for years and we just talked about it with Fanta a couple episodes ago I mean they, they are just a, a shit show nightmare organization right now I don't get it yeah yeah I mean I can't really talk because the Giants are no better but <laughs> at least they're not releasing any of their star players and what better way to drink away your team's pain with an ice cold craft beer as always, one-third of our show is beers. We're going to review some beers that we had this week. So, cheers. Cheers to some sort of success coming from New York because God only knows there was a lot of failure this week. Yes, uh, both the Giants and the Jets are 0-10 combined. The Yankees got bounced in Game 5 of the ALDS. Um, you know, the Rangers had a good you know, they drafted their guy and the Islanders are making some moves, but no matter, uh, let's hope the Knicks cannot fully disappoint us this year, but Careful. I am drinking. Um, I have from Sam Adams, Boston beer company. Uh, I wanted to highlight a fall beer. I had a lot of mix. I had a bunch of IPAs and stouts and, um, a couple sours throughout the week, but I really wanted to highlight this one because it was their new pumpkin ale, the Jacko. And I gave it a four out of five. I mean, I'm, I'm a real sucker for pumpkin beer. I love the flavor. I love, you know, the sugar rims. And I wasn't sure, you know, because Boston beer is such a, um, you know, they produce a lot of, uh, they produce a lot. And I thought it was just going to be like a standard pumpkin, but it was, it was very flavorful. Um, it was, it was super light, which was kind of surprising, even with like, you know, the dark nose and colors that they have, but four out of five for me. Um, I will definitely be drinking that again. I think that there, we need to put out some ranking of pumpkin beers. We really do. Because Jacko this year, there was something about it where, and they just reviewed it on SNL too. They had Bill Persky. <laughs> that was funny. 
shit. Uh, this has raving reviews from people in Boston and in Rhode Island and Connecticut and New York and everywhere where Boston beer distributes their beer. It has raving reviews. So props to them. It wasn't that good last year too, from what I, I didn't have it last year, but people are saying it was not as good as it is this year. Um, you know, in years past. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to try that out for sure. Uh, I'm going to talk Connecticut beer. Now I went to bad sons about a couple hours before recording this bad sons beer company. I think I've reviewed a couple bad sons beers a few months ago. Now for full disclosure, I don't think their beer is that great. I really don't. The vibe is good. The beer is what it is. I don't go for the beer. If I want a really, really good craft beer, I'm not going to bad sons, but they have a new beer called Mischief that I wanted to go and try. Um, I did, and honestly, I, I was impressed. So I went and talked to some of the staff today, and I guess they let the brewer, the head brewer over there, use his recipe. So he talked the founders into using his own recipe for this beer. The founders said, sure, why not? And he creates what everyone's already calling the best beer Bad Sons ever made. So, again, called Mischief. It's really cool can art. You can see it on their website. Three pounds of citra hops per barrel. Um, it was like almost fruity, which is really cool. It was a regular standard, you know, they called it a combo of East and West Coast IPA. It definitely drank more like a West Coast. It was bitter, but fruity as well. Gave it a 375. I think that's the, <laughs> to be honest with you, the highest rating I'm going to give a Bad Sons beer. It is. Maybe on a, a decent uh, day, it'll get a four, but. I don't know. It was three, seven, five for me tonight. I thought it was the best beer that they've made. So cheers to them. They're moving in the right direction. Um, and with their expansion coming up, they're putting a few more rooms in there. Uh, I am, I hope there's more of this to come. We'll put it that way. So Connecticut microbrews go out there in Derby, Connecticut and Fairfield County, right near Shelton. Good little spot. And it's good for young people to go out to uh, that's beers. If we have more pumpkin beer suggestions, we are in the thick of pumpkin beer season. So please tell us to review your favorite pumpkin beer. And we move to business. And just in time for everyone to start freaking out about liquidating their assets with the election coming up and with the possible uh, nightmare that may ensue of not having a confirmed president for a few weeks or a few days or whatever it is um don't pull it out just yet because it's spacktober spacktober over um we've talked about spacks we started doing this a lot you know early episodes we were like what are these spacs um special purpose acquisition company they exist solely to acquire another company and I think the one that we're going to name our stock of the week is not new. It's been around for at least a few months, and a lot of people have invested in the Robinhood game and day traded this one. Forum Merger 2, it's called FMCI, most of you know it as. Uh, they will acquire Tattooed Chef later this week, or at least announce their intentions. And I didn't know a lot about Tattooed Chef, but I guess it's some plant-based food, so... It's the trend. They, I mean, I don't know. I still won't understand, Will, why that, why it is that these companies will go out and say, you know, hey, we might be acquiring someone or whatever, and then just constantly drop hints on who it is. And that's what SPACs are. So it's like free money. It's too good to be true. Yeah. I mean, these blank check companies are 
you know, over the few, I mean, there's, this is nothing new. This is not a new concept that like, oh yeah, the past few months, there's these new things called SPACs. It's like, no, these, these companies that are just handing over the blank checks and investing and merging have been around for a while, but with, you know, the way investing is today and more people are getting involved in the constant flow of news, they're getting more recognition and looking at the track record, you know, they are definitely risky, risky stocks to invest in. But if you, you know, follow them correctly and watch the different waves and analyze, you know, the highs and lows, you can make a profit. Now, again, everything we say, take with a grain of salt, because we're not financial investors, but you know, this, it is, it is SPACtober. It was, (laughs) it was SPAC September. Now it's SPACtober. Who knows if we'll have a little, you know, SPACtober 2 in November. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, (laughs) so who knows? But FMCI uh, for Merger 2, they are definitely one that keep an eye out. This Thursday is that merger with Tattooed Chef and people are, you know, putting a lofty, lofty goal or target goal for this. And they're saying it could hit 100. Right now it's at 25. Um, You know, this is just what the analysts are saying right now. So it's definitely something that we will be heavily involved in and keeping an eye out and yeah and it's mostly too it might not even be the analysts i think it's mostly just like fintwit to be honest with you it's the financial twitter guys that are like yeah like the price target is gonna be a hundred bucks on these and then like one guy tweeted that and then the next day he sold all of it and everyone's like the fuck dude what are you doing you just told us that you know we have a price target of 100 bucks here goes yeah i needed to buy some other spec so i'm gonna do that first and everyone's like what the hell are you doing but portnoy bought five hundred thousand dollars worth yeah i think realistically i don't know if this hits 100 bucks but it's gonna grow for sure i i think like you know even if you even if it goes up to 50 i mean you double your money at that point Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's worth it alone but i've got all my buying power sitting in robin hood right now because i just don't know what to do with it i'm too scared i i the market had one of its best days ever on monday like that's nuts it it had it's had its best day in at least probably in the entire year right yeah but tuesday was pretty good too yeah tuesday had it was a pretty good day tuesday i think wednesday might be pretty good and obviously thursday if any of these hit this is going to be pretty good the next one in Spacktober that you should have your eyes on because this relates pretty nicely to sports too. It's called Red Ball um, Acquisition Company. Yeah, RBAC, they trade on. Um, this one's interesting because it's much lower priced, but they're going to acquire Fenway Sports Group or FSG, they call it, and take it public. And for those of you that don't know, FSG does not just own Fenway Park and the Boston Red Sox. They also own Liverpool FC in England. So... This is going to be a really interesting couple of weeks when we figure out who's exactly getting involved in what. John Henry's the owner of FSG. He is on board with this. He's pretty much talking to them. He's explaining um, to the press why he thinks this is going to be a good deal. So, I mean, this this sounds like it's a go, at least exploratory for sure. And then to put the icing on the cake, you've got the A's general manager, Billy Bean, who was the inspiration behind Moneyball, who's going to leave baseball altogether and go to Liverpool if this happens. I mean – that is that's something to keep your eyes on for Red Sox fans that were following along this news. They really thought that Billy Bean was a possible, you know, Hey, he may come to, he may come to Boston, may, <laughs> I mean... you know, may find his way, but yeah, to go to Liverpool, I mean, especially with the A's, you know, 
the A's are a team that, yeah, they haven't gotten over that hump and win, but they're very impressive. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that they got bounced by the Astros, but they're still, they have a lot of talent on that team. So, you oh, know, to, sure. to leave, to leave, yeah, to leave that role, um, who knows, who knows, but soccer is definitely a more global sport with more opportunities and, you know, higher pay probability. I don't hate the move. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't hate it either. And I think you had Billy Bean. He was getting looked at by, damn, was it the Cleveland Browns a few years ago or something? I think they were going to hire him. Um, and then they, I, I, this is bad radio here, but they hired someone who with no baseball or no football experience. I think it was a baseball guy that the Cleveland Browns hired. So very much in the mold of that. Um, like, I don't think Billy Bean has soccer experience, but this could be very a, a questionable move, but I mean, it's money talks and bullshit walk. So if red ball mm-hmm. comes up, yeah, here's like a bunch of billion dollars. John Henry's not going to say no. He's going to be one of the richest men on the planet. If that's the case. Yeah. And honestly, so will Billy Bean, I'm sure, because I'm sure he's getting some kind of good deal out of it. Um, so that's, that's definitely one to keep your eyes on. And then the last back that we're going to, talk about real quick is diamond peak holding company they trade at dphc they play in the electric vehicle market with a group called lordstown motors and if that sounds familiar joe burrow actually just teamed up with them on a marketing deal uh, it was an anti-hunger campaign so they're hopping in too they're getting some big clout i don't know a ton about this but dphc should be one that you keep your eyes on as well yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was when we were talking about the different SPACs and I've heard Diamond Peak Holding Company for a while, um, but they were most obviously known for this Lordstown Motors. I'm like, I've heard this name before. I, you know, I couldn't, I, I was thinking it was, you know, it had like, it came into conversation, you know, when, when Nicola was getting high and obviously anytime you talk about Tesla, you're going to talk about any other um, EV automator. And then I looked on Instagram and Joe Burrow just announced a partnership with them because Lordstown, Ohio, you know, the Ohio man is going to, uh, he's going to lock up all of those uh, endorsements. So definitely an interesting, I don't know much too much on the actual Lordstown motors. I know they're specifically with the trucking, but if we're, you know, with everything going on um, regarding uh, sustainable energy and especially in the automotive fa- automotive field and watching Tesla's success. I mean, this is definitely some uh, Lordstown Motors is one to keep an eye out. So October 22nd is the date that you have to keep your eyes on for Diamond Peak. Uh, that's the meeting date that the investors will go and vote to approve the merger. They announced it a while ago. So if you still have liquid assets at that point and you want to play it risky, that's, you know, throw a few hundred bucks on on Diamond Peak and see what happens. Um, haven't seen a price target for it. So just if you can ride and make a couple of bucks, then I think that's a win in and of itself. And, you know, hopefully you can ride out the saturation too, especially with athletes like Burrow, uh, doing the marketing for them. So that's SPACtober. There's three SPACs right there. Maybe we'll do some more depending on how they do. If you guys like that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll throw it in for sure. Let's go to balls and then we'll go to our guest, Alex fuse. We're talking baseball with him um, right after this NBA finals are finally over and uh, tip of the cap to you. You got your prediction, right? You said Lakers in six, you said Lakers will win game four, Miami win games five. And 
Lakers finish it all in game six. So that's for you. I'm, I'm clapping. <laughs> I said five. Uh, I thought they were, I thought the Lakers were going on a steamroll, but I mean, I guess it worked. Whatever the heat, the, the heat made some good adjustments throughout and the Lakers uh, were the better team. So they won. And that's what happened. It would definitely be a different conversation if uh, Goron and Bam were healthy. Um yeah, I mean, even Jimmy Butler, he played phenomenally, not only in the finals, but all of the playoffs. But his his, his tank was empty. He had a, a bum ankle as well. Uh, Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, you know, they're just so young and raw talent. They just weren't, you know, prepared for the aggressive defense that the Lakers had. And, I mean, it is not, you know, we always talk about how sports teams say, like, oh, we didn't win the championship, we're a failure. I don't think that's the case for Miami either because they, they, you know, came in as the five seed, defeated the Pacers. They swept, uh, they swept the Pacers. They, you know, took the Bucks in five and then, you know, defeated the Celtics and then come to the facing off the Lakers when everyone's like, LeBron has the most pressure on c- compared to anybody else. I mean, the, the Heat are a team that it'll be interesting to see what improvements they make because they're going to be, they're going to be dominant for a little bit or for a a lot more rather. Yeah. We talked about this last week. I was re-listening to our episode about uh, or last week's episode, the part where you're talking about the heat and you and I were both in agreement that this team's going to be good for a long time. They've got a few holes to fill for sure. Bam needs some help. First of all, they need some paint help. I know we talked about Andre Drummond who's probably not leaving Cleveland, but they need some help, man. That like bottom line is I think if you round out that group with a very good and established center that might work and slide bam over to the four. Um, who knows? I, I would be really interested to hear what Spolstra has to say too over the coming weeks about where he thinks they fail. Cause he doesn't, I mean, he was very clear. Like he goes, this team is phenomenal. This is the best team we've had in a long time. And I think he's right. I really do. So I don't know. Once all this settles and Spolster has a chance to think about it, I'm sure he's going to have a couple ideas of guys that they're going to aggressively pursue this off season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, because that's the question. It's like, okay, you know, Giannis is slated to be a free agent in 2021. I don't think that he will uh, resign with Milwaukee. Doesn't and, sound. you know, it really depends on, you know, all eyes are on the Bucks this year because it's like, okay, what free agents can they attract to Milwaukee, let alone who can they trade? I think it's going to be difficult, to be honest, because I don't, I don't think people want to go to Milwaukee. No. For, you know, it's not, a, it's not a big market team. And, yeah, you have the best player, but, like, there's other teams where you can go if you're really chasing that championship. I don't want to say it, but, like, the Bucks should trade Giannis. Oh, and get the the most draft capital and assets from him because they'll get a ton. I mean, uh, they can't, but by principle, do you trade someone at that? That's the t- thing. That's the thing. But I don't think you can. But in would theory- you? Would you rather? Would you rather watch him walk for nothing? Oh, or, not yeah, all. exactly. <laughs> I mean, but not- that's coming back. You know, circling back in, and why I bring that up. I don't think Miami should trade for Giannis because you have too many pieces that are too valuable for that team. I agree. And, you know, you'll see something like the Clippers who traded the house for Paul George and watch that not work. 
Yeah, and then that's another thing where Kawhi's next year, he's he could be done if he wants to. You know, he could be done with the Clippers if they have another dismal showing. He's definitely out. Yeah. Right. Well, like, unless I mean, they Kawhi and Paul George are free agents in 2021. Yeah, exactly. I think he's out at that point. And it, it, especially if they fuck up again this year, I think there's, you know, if they make the finals, that's one thing. Maybe Paul George and Kawhi link up and say, you know, hey, that we we might be able to do it next year. But as of right now, that shit ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, yeah, the, I think the heater, the bottom line is the heater going to be good. The Lakers are going to be real good. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a rematch next year for sure. And that puts into perspective, you know, we talk about LeBron, who now has his fourth ring. He got another NBA Finals MVP. There's all this stuff going around about his comparison to Jordan and all this stuff, and I, I don't really want to talk about that. What we need to talk about is, in his all-time greatest accomplishments, like, what are we working with here? You know, I think there's a couple things that might do um, – that, that might be a little bit more uh, they might carry a little bit more weight for LeBron's career. And, but this has to be up there for sure. I think it's what, uh, where I land. Yeah. I mean, this is, this was a difficult championship was a difficult, difficult playoffs. Um, you know, was it the most difficult finals he was in? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But you know, talk you know, speaking on his accolades, the first player ever to win three champ three finals MVPs with three different teams. Yeah, that's nuts. Like that's that is phenomenal. Uh, I mean, Anthony Davis. You know, this is our next talking point. It, this is this is the best teammate he's ever had. Yeah. Um, in Anthony Davis, I would say Dwayne Wade number two, Kyrie three, um, Chris Bosh four, Kevin Love five. Yeah, we were you just know? talking day and i think that's a pretty good um ranking and especially when Dwayne wade goes out and says yeah ad is the best teammate possible for lebron that's yeah it's the icing on the cake because he was the only competition because at the time you know d d wade and lebron pairing up lebron was the number one and d wade was the number two you know in regards to scoring options and just like flow of the offense and the flow of the offense still goes around lebron but anthony davis is just right now physically performing like better than lebron well he's also not a better better. not a better player not like you know i'm not saying like oh ad is better than lebron i'm saying like in what needs to be done to win lebron can take the step back and dish out 12 13 14 15 assists and let anthony davis drive in the paint like lebron can still dominantly do that but there's no need for him to especially if he wants to continue this long luxurious career like well, let I mean, Anthony Davis drive into the paint instead of LeBron. Yeah, this looks like the best AD has ever been for sure. Yeah. This is his prime. This is his best year of his career. When all exactly. said and done, and it's because he had LeBron as his teammate, I think, and that that speaks a lot to him. Um, before we go into our controversial topic here, Danny Green has three championships. I just think that's hilarious. So does that, JaVale that, McGee. Yeah, McGee does too. I forgot about that. But, oh my. JaVale McGee has two, you know, he rode the coattails of the Warriors and the Lakers. And Danny yeah. Green did not perform that well, you know, in the finals, but he played decently this year. Danny Green was a young buck in the Spurs, you know, a contributing piece to the Raptors and a contributing piece there. That's more impressive than JaVel McGee's three. <laughs> I know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just funny to look back at this shit because I think he was he's been a winner his entire life. He went to UNC. Um, yeah. Did he did he win a national championship? He did. Yeah, he does not. Wow. And Anthony Davis now adds to that list. I think he's like the eighth or ninth player to be uh, to win a. Well, he also won a gold medal, which is that's what changes it. It's like yep. win a gold medal, a college champ, a college championship, and a, an NBA championship. Yep. AD was uh, part of one of the greatest Kentucky teams ever. And on paper, you look and you're like, what the fuck is that? You know, the guys like Michael Kidd Gilchrist and a few other no names. Yeah. They, they were one of the best ever in Kentucky. And they obviously won a national championship. But talking about guys that have won championships, there's still a lot out there that are revered and will be Hall of Famers, if not already Hall of Famers, that have not won. And I'm throwing this out there now. There's a lot of players without rings. Who is the best player without a ring? I had to think about this. I had to think about this for a long time. I've got my active player, and I think I've got the best ever, you know, that's not active. But you go first. My two. I, can I have, go. I have two. two active. Two active. Okay. Two active. Yep. CP3 and Kamala Anthony. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. You have to, I mean, if CP3 is not the at the top of the list, I think that. You know, hurt. the reason I don't have guys, you know, I mentioned CP3 and Carmelo Anthony is because they're much older. They're on the tail end of your career. You watch Dwight Howard now, who, Dwight Howard's probably a Hall of Famer. You know, we can, we can talk about his accolades another day, but, you know, he's on the tail end of his career. At one point, you know, after his first stint with the Lakers, everyone's saying he's a bust now. And Dwight, Dwight Howard took the role as coming off the bench and providing what he needs. He's not a starter anymore. He's not going to give you 40 minutes. He'll provide you what you need. CP3 is still, you know, starting and playing like 35, 40 minutes. And same with Carmelo. I don't want to say that they can't do that right now, but I think, you know, in their current format and, you know, where, where they are at, you know, playing level and their age and stuff, they're going to need to take a backseat approach on a contending team. And then they will win a ring. I don't have guys like James Harden or Russell Westbrook um, or Damian Lillard on this list because like they still have, you know, 10 more years, at least in their career. They've got work to do too. I mean, they need to get some, you know, but CP three and Mello, CP three and Mello are on their tail end. Um, and, you know, they, they have like two, three more seasons to win a championship. Yeah, that's that's what needs to happen. I think CP3 is the oh man, I want him on the Knicks so badly. I do. I, <laughs> it's not going to happen, but oh man, that would be nice. Um, for the best NBA player without a ring, there's a, a bunch of guys that are very good on this list. And I'm going to offend some people, I'm sure, by saying, you know, that I don't know, because you have guys like Elgin Baylor. You have guys, um, you know, like Carl Malone, who I think is a close second to this, but I don't know. I think the guy that was not wrongfully not had an NBA championship, but, uh, you know, that deserved one was John Stockton. Um, man, you go up against Jordan twice in a row. You lead the team. One of the best passers to ever play the game. I mean, that's uh, the same conversation with Carl Carl Malone too. It's like, yeah, they, I mean, you argue. Yeah all of the guys that are like behind him and all the lists and stuff. I mean, Malone's the same deal Two, He was the guy that Stockton was passing to, yeah. you know, 
And in 97 and 98, they had a phenomenal, like I'm looking at the stats right now, Carl Malone had 24.4 points a game and 10.4 rebounds against the Bulls in the finals. Like that's nuts. Um, And then you you guys like Charles Barkley and Steve Nash too, that are up there and AI. I don't know. I think uh, Stockton deserved, yeah, AI's on that list too. I think Stockton deserved it the most. He was the ringleader of that team. Um, I think Carl Malone's a close second, to be honest with you. And then I I don't know if it's Elgin Baylor being too far behind my time, but those are the guys that I, I appreciate that should have had rings, in my opinion. Way too early predictions. On NBA next year, next year. Oh Jesus! Christ. Don't do this to me. <laughs> oh man, for the finals. E- yeah, who's coming out of the East and the West? Oh man, well, well, if it's not the Lakers in the West, it's the Warriors. I was gonna say it's gonna be the Warriors. Yeah, especially I don't want to see a Warriors team with James Wiseman on. I mean, I want to because it's gonna be sick. But yeah, fuck the Knicks for coming out here and saying. We're looking at James Wiseman, not at the eighth spot. You are not going to get James Wiseman at the eighth spot, Leon. Sorry. <laughs> like, like, think yeah, about bro. it. Like, if 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 the Warriors are the Warriors are at two, and we don't know what the one seed's going to take. Who are the? Is it the Timberwolves? Uh, T Wolves have one. Yeah. yeah. So it's Anthony Edwards it, or Wiseman, pretty much. I don't know if they'll go big though, because they have Cat. Um, but that's yeah, all. they. That's a whole different, but see, that's the same conversation with now the Warriors because, like, you think Wiseman, but they have that rookie Pascal that, like, he doesn't need to play the center, though. They don't think you can stretch him in the four or Wiseman at the four. Yeah, there's if they have Wiseman with Clay, Steph, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, Pascal, that's a cruising. You put him at the three or four because this dude's 6'6", 255. He ain't playing center. No way. Wiseman's seven feet and a yeah. brick. Like, that's the natural. You you put Pascal where wherever Steph Curry wants him to play. Yeah. But I think, man, if you're asking me now, I think the Lakers, um, the Lakers come out of the West, and I don't know who the hell comes out of the East. On paper, you want to say the Heat, but we need to know a lot more, right? We need to know. If they add a center, we need yeah. to know how good Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero are next year. I think Jimmy Butler is pretty much the only consistent part of that. Um, and Bam, Jimmy and Bam are really the only two guys that are like, yeah, they're going to go perform. I, I've no doubt that the other two rookies will, but I don't know how quick they're going to go. And you wonder about the Celtics, too, who are probably going to part ways with Gordon Hayward. Um, what the hell are they going to do? You know, who do they add? Who do they add around to that team? Because it's so easy to say Tatum's a goat and he's the best thing that's happened to that franchise in a long time. But like who, who, who replaces Hayward? Who are going to be the pieces around him? Kemba's fine where he is. Is Daniel Tice going to be a part of that team? I don't think so. I don't know. I think they move on. So I think if the Celtics get their shit together, they, they could, but I'm not really sure. I've had enough basketball. Um, we'll do, NFL real quick, and then we'll transition to our interview with Alex Fuse for baseball. Man, Le'Veon Bell, like where? Okay, here's my thing. I understand that they didn't get along. I understand that it's the coach's decision and that Woody Johnson's support is behind Adam Gase. 
why the hell do you ride with a universally hated coach instead of one of the most elite running backs in the NFL? And I really don't have any further comment than that. I don't. Um, disgusting. And that's football. <laughs> that's football. Yeah, I mean, it's just LOL Jets. I'm not sure. Uh, like, I, you sign this, you sign him this big deal. You make a, a whole extravagant fiasco about, oh, we're going to have Darnold and Bell. Come on. And you cut him. I sound like a New York radio sports, like sports radio host right now, but seriously, what the hell are you doing? What are they going to do? Who are they going to put there? Frank Gore? Is he their number one running back now? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Are they just giving up? It's like a full tank for like Trevor and someone else now. Who are they even get? Dude, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Oh, God. Well, some big games to look forward to. I'm getting pissed. I'm not even a Jets fan. I'm getting mad. Um, Browns and Steelers is going to be fun this week. Browns are four and one. Steelers are four and zero. Oh. Uh, the Browns looked great again this past week, and I think Baker Mayfield is turning it on. Um, this is going to be interesting. I, I, I very much want to see how the Browns do, given that they're 4-1 after their best start in pretty much franchise history besides like the early 80s and 90s against a team that has crushed them for years, for the past two decades. I'm very excited for this one. I like Packers. Uh... Packers Bucks too. That'll be a yeah. Good Packers game. Bucks. Two old quarterbacks doing their thing. I like that. Washington football team versus the New York Giants. Uh, man, I mean the Giants came close. I I enjoyed watching that game. It wasn't really sloppy, um, except for the first half. Daniel Jones looked like, like he had like melted butter all over his hands, <laughs> and that's it. They had two touchdowns. I got called back. That were just ugh. I was like, come on, sloppy, sloppy offensive line play. But, I mean, it's unfortunate to see Dak go because that's, like, bigger than football. I mean, his 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 career and his payday are in jeopardy. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Giants are – they're doing the Giants. Do I – this season's a wash. I mean, Saquon's hurt. I really don't care. You know, <laughs> if they want to get Trevor Lawrence, I wouldn't hate it. Oh, I don't man. know. I don't know. Uh, so that's a good one. Um, you know, the Patriots are playing the Broncos this week. I think that's, again, it's a game the Patriots should win if their guys don't get sick and have to opt out of this fucking season at this point. Uh, oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, those are some of the big games this week. There aren't too many huge, like, rivalry games and whatnot. They, there will be in the next coming week, so, which is cool. And that's football. That is uh, our part of the show. Let's talk some baseball now because that's what we really want to get into the weeds on. Uh, we're bringing in Alex Fuse over at Siena now. He was at Dean College, um, aspiring broadcaster. He's a host of a couple of different podcasts in the baseball world, has interviewed Tim Kirchin, Boog Shambi, Susan Waldman, you name it. He's probably interviewed him. So without further ado, let's bring in Alex Fuse. All right, everybody, with us today is Alex Fuse. We, he is the team manager and broadcaster for Siena Baseball, co-host of the New Ball Game Pod, and also the host of The Whole New Story. Alex, we see you in the studio out in Siena. How are you doing today? I'm hanging in there. It's definitely the most unprecedented. I never wanted to use the word unprecedented after this whole <laughs> thing is over with. I'm sick oh and tired God. of hearing and saying that word. But it's really the, the only word to describe the times we're living in. 
So, you know, it's been unprecedented, but here we are and enjoying as uh, baseball with real people in the stands. Um, so what year is this? Like 2019? <laughs> Back in my day, we had fans in the stands. It happened last night for the first time since spring training, but it's just crazy. <laughs> this world that we're living in. I will say that I was just shocked when – I was watching the highlights. I, I only caught the back end of this NLCS game one. And when I saw real people cheering, I almost was like, what the hell is this? Is this yeah. real? Is this CGI or what? So that, that was comforting. I'm right with you. But uh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, meanwhile, there's going to be like 60,000 fans in like Miami stadium. So why can't we have, <laughs> why can't we go to baseball games all summer? But that's a topic for well, Will, <laughs> Will, they're allowed to have 60,000 fans. Now, can Dolphin fans, are there 60,000 Dolphin fans? Hey, I mean, um, Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic is, is brewing that true. team alive. But, that's true. But, no, Alex, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're happy to have you on. I guess the topic of the conversation is going to be, you know, mainly about baseball. But before we hop into that, we'd love to hear your story. So tell us who is Alex Fuse and, um, you know, how did you end up in Siena College today? Well, it's a crazy, you know, I started a podcast in the eighth grade. Um, so I was grounded for two weeks. Now, before I start this conversation, I hated baseball, I hated sports. My only sport that I really liked was wrestling, you know, WWE up until I was 13 years old. I was grounded for two weeks. I couldn't watch any TV. And that's when I turned on the radio and started listening to John Sterling and Susan Wallman, never heard of them in my life. And I heard John and Susan call a Yankee game for two weeks when I couldn't watch any TV. And that's when I was clicked. I was clicked with the home run calls and the, the style that John has when he broadcasts a game. And then when I got the TV back, I started watching the games. I started watching just, you know, just baseball and sports in general. And then that's the same time the Michael K show went to the yes network. And then that's when I said, Oh, okay. I, I want to, start my own show. So that's when I did that. And now six and a half years later, I'm here at Sienna now just transferred in this semester and really enjoying it. I, you know, this is the most fun. I love doing things like this. It's, you know, it's what I love to do interviewing people. Everyone has a story, right? Everyone has an interesting perspective on what they do in life and why they do it. And, you know, that's what I enjoy, you know, figuring out who people are and, and what makes them tick. You know, that, that's something that, like, I know you said that, uh, who is Alex Fuse, right? And it's like, well, that's a, a deep question. You know, I think we all think of, like, who who do we think we are and who do we want other people to think we are, right? I think every, I think you're not human if you don't ask yourself those questions every single day. Or maybe not human, but you're not evolving and growing as a person. I think you have to do that um, in order to grow as a person. So, I think in general, when you figure out, okay, who am I? Who do I want people to think I am? Well, those are two bi very big questions. And when you have a general idea, I think you kind of relax and you understand that, you know, I'm going to be myself. And, and that's huge with whatever you do in life. I'm with you. That, that's a good perspective, especially, I think, the profession that you're about to go into, first of all, which I believe you're going to go and study sports broadcasting and, you know, mm -hmm. ultimately have a, hopefully have a career in it it's so important to keep that into perspective too, that everybody has a story, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, your job is not to 
to dictate that story, but to to tell it in a way. So I think that's a, a really unique perspective there. You have Alex, well, maybe not unique, but it's good that you have it at the forefront. I'll put it that way. You know, not only just know or try to tell the story, but try to understand the story, right? How can you look at something and and try to have an open mind to it? Because I think when you're a broadcaster, when you have that role, right, people automatically think, he likes to talk. Uh, it, it just goes with it. So if let's say you're someone on a team or something and you're, you're a talker, you figure those out as a broadcaster very early on, who likes to talk, who doesn't, um, who's open, who's closed off. And, you know, the people that are open, most likely they will approach you or if you approach them, you form quick relationships with. And that's when as a role as a broadcaster or a journalist or a reporter, you're kind of put at the task to, okay, this person is going to be very open with me about their lives, their experience. I can't judge, you know, I can't add my input in too early just because I have to understand where they're coming from. Uh, I just talked to Jeff Levering with Ben on, you know, the a whole new ball game, the podcast I do with Ben Siler, who's a pitcher on the baseball team. And, and he basically said, while I may not use information on a broadcast, it certainly helps to know if someone's going through something off the field and maybe that's why they're struggling. So then that way, maybe I won't harp on uh, if they're in an 0 for 20 slump because they're going through X, Y, and Z off the field, right? Like not everything you're going to talk to the players about, you're going to use or in a story, like there's that mutual respect. Um, so when you figure out just those relationships with people, that's what this industry is, is relationships. It's not connections. It's not networking. It's relationships, right? So when you build these relationships, it's all about the test to, to just follow through it and, you know, just be a, a great person um, and a great human. So that's my two cents of this industry. <laughs> it definitely puts a lot of people, um, challenge, has challenged a lot of people in 2020 because, it's it's sort of frowned upon to go up and talk to someone in 2020. So uh, not wrong. Yeah, yeah you not can't wrong. be shaking hands out here anymore, right? No, <laughs> you'll be arrested. So, Alex, um, before we get into the baseball talk as well, if you want to just tell the listeners about your podcast, uh, kind of just like a brief uh, elevator pitch on both of them, uh, who you might be co-hosting, what kind of guests you might have and where they can, uh, listen, and then we'll dive into our, uh, baseball conversation. Yeah. So back in late August, early September, I launched a new podcast, uh, a whole new ball game with Ben Seiler and I, I've known Ben. So Ben played for Albany Academy, uh, the high school here in upstate New York. And I was a team manager all four years at Shelmont. And if you're not familiar obviously if you're not from the area you're like that's two high schools but the two high schools are like Yankee Red Sox rivals we would always play each other it's just the history rival rivalry between those two teams and Ben and I are the same age so we kind of competed on the field in, in some respect um, for four years so I've known Ben for close to six years now and he goes to Sienna and he's a the ace on the pitching staff here on the baseball team and he, he asked me if I was interested in starting a podcast. And I said, sure, let's do it. I've never done a podcast with someone other than myself. So I was like, this is a, you know, it, it makes it a lot more interesting and fun. You know, it makes it more, I'm more willing to do four interviews a week versus four interviews a week with just myself. It's a lot less work. 
it, it feels just because it's you do have to work during the interview uh, because the other person asks the questions, as you know, as you both know. So th that's the fun stuff. You know, it's more of a conversation and, and we can go different ways in the interviews than I could ever be before because he provides a different perspective. I don't know what it's like to have pitched in a state championship game, but he does um, in, in high school. And I don't know what it's like to be an ace on a D1 baseball team, but he does. But in, in retrospect, he doesn't know what it takes to be a play-by-play -play baseball broadcaster. And I have some sort of inclination of what it takes to do, right? I'm obviously not no expert, but I have a general idea of what, you know, a broadcaster and a journalist does. So we kind of play off of each other. And we've been incredibly lucky to have, you know, some cool guests on the podcast. Um, episode one was with Tim Kirchin from ESPN, uh, who, you know, Tim and I, you know, Tim's been a great mentor to me and he's always willing to, I joked with him, I said, you owe me one, remember? And uh, I said, I'm starting this new podcast. You want to be episode one? He goes, yeah, sure, let's do it. And then we had Boog Shambi on the second one. Now I'm booking, you know, Ben does some of the booking. Uh, I'll give him some credit. He has, he's had a few, but I, I'm typically doing the booking and I'm booking by people that I know will give good conversations and, and good stories. Um, you know, and Boog is, I, I suggest you guys interview Boog. When you interview him, you know, it kind of came at a perfect time. I interviewed someone, obviously I won't say the name. The interview didn't go that great. Wasn't really a fan of this person I interviewed. I think you might be able to figure it out. Let me rephrase this. I interviewed someone a few weeks before I interviewed Boog. Um, <laughs> and then I interviewed Boog and it was great. And it just kind of boosted me up, right? You had an okay interview and not so great. Then the next day you interviewed Boog and it was a great interview. It kind of just changes your whole mindset on everything. And, and Boog is honestly my favorite person I've ever interviewed. Like he's wow. top five people and he's amazing, like amazing. And so we had Boog episode two, and then we had Pete Rose on in the first five episodes. Pete Rose, obviously MLB legend and the hit king. Oh, wow. um, so we've been incredibly lucky with people we've had on. Um, and But also like Greg Colley. Now, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a hardcore fan, you might know him. You might follow him on Twitter. He's the ESPN producer for Sunday Night Baseball. And he's been with ESPN for over 20 years now. So if you're a hardcore fan, you might know him. But if you're a casual fan, you probably won't know him. But you, you will know him if you listen to the podcast, right? It's all about everyone has a story. Here's someone that works along with Tim Kirchin, Jeff Passan, Matt Vasgersian, Alex Rodriguez every single weekend. Buster only every single weekend. And he's worked with them for 20 years. But you have no idea who he is. And he has the same amount of impact on the broadcast that he, he has versus an A-Rod or Matty V. So that's my perspective on everything. And, you know, Gene Watson, who is uh, the director of pro scouting from the Kansas city Royals and assistant special assistant to Dayton Moore, who's a GM of the Kansas city Royals. We had him on and, you know, that's a different perspective, right. Than you would get from anywhere else. So it's all about just different perspectives. The love for the game of baseball in particular, of course, is built in there. And it's the stories of life and, success and failures in life in general and those are the things that I like most is because people get sometimes caught up with the word failure I don't like to say I ever fail it's more of just a lesson right I prefer to fail because that means I'm learning something right like I want to fail every day because that means I'm learning and improving that's my you know that's my whole thing is people think I'm crazy when I say I want to fail but I do because if you don't fail you don't learn and that means you're not trying 
Like if you don't fail, you're not trying. So what's the point of waking up every day if you're not trying? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's what this podcast is about. So I think just in general, I think it gives hopefully an entertaining people are entertained. I hope <laughs> um, <laughs> by listening and surprisingly episode 26 is, go- is going out today with Jeff Levering, the play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. So we've been averaging about four episodes a week. So that's wow. it's yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a grind, but we love it. We do, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's great. And I mean, it's, it's almost tough to, I'm sure we could have, you know, a, a two, three hour conversation on just the inspiration behind the podcast alone, but it's, I, I'm just, I don't know where you go if you have Kirkshin one and then Boog two, like it can't get any better than that, honestly. So and then we, had, we had Joe Davis three and then Pete Rose four. Yeah. That's um, ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, incredibly lucky. It really yeah. am, you know, incredibly blessed. You know, I can't thank them enough. And, you know, I, I'm humble to say we've never had anyone outside of one person that's a no to us. Um, you know, and uh, that's something, you know, I, I won't ever take for granted for, you know, because this is their time. And it's not just a 15 minute interview or 10 minute interview, like a hit, like this is a 30, 45 minute conversation. That's a lot of time out of these people's lives. So I, again, if, you know, they're listening to this, I truly do appreciate just their time because their time, you know, is valuable. You know, you think about 30 minutes or 45 minutes of Tim Kirchner's day versus 30, 45 minutes of Alex Fuse's day. Like that's a big difference. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so again, incredibly honored, you know, to, to just be able to talk with these people who just love the game. And, you know, that's what I love most is just hearing their perspectives. Yeah, for sure. And let's dive with that right into baseball. Um, Playoff baseball, there's nothing like it. I don't think we, we joke every episode. Like, I, I didn't think we'd see the day. I really didn't think that we'd get here, but we're here. And there certainly has been no lack of drama or lack of storylines in, in this playoffs right now. As of this time, we're recording here on Tuesday, the 13th of October. Who would have thought the Tampa Bay Rays and the Houston Astros are in the ALCS, Alex? I mean, it's. It's tough to see the Yankees go out like that in the way that they did. Um, you know, a, a total dogfight, arguably one of the best games of the playoffs this year. Did I don't know. As a Yankee, give us the fan perspective here because we can say all we want in the world, but our, our listeners know how we feel. So mm-hmm. the, the Yankees getting bounced 3-2. What do we think? Well, I think you have to realize that the Yankees – motto is really the Bronx Bombers and when the Yankees don't hit home runs they don't win games that's really been the case for years now and I think at some point in time you know it's been I think over 4,000 days since the Yankees last World Series championship and you know if you're look I I of course have the Yankee fan I grew up a Yankee fan so um, you know, I think, but again, later in life, right? So I became a fan in Mariano Rivera's last year and in the second to last year of Derek Jeter's last year. So I never really had the personal connection. I understood, sure, but I never had the personal connection with Mariano or Jeter that most Yankee fans had. 
I became a fan in 2013 when Lyle Overbay was a first baseman, oh, when Vern Wells was the outfielder, when <sighs> Brendan Ryan was a shortstop, Jan Jervis Solarde was lighting things up, um, when oh Stephen Drew was a shortstop in 2014, and I wanted no, to just stop. Awful, right? <laughs> Awful in 2015 too, I think. So um, when Euclid was the Yankee third baseman for less than 15 games, like that was the year I became a Yankee fan, right? Oh, so man. I, it was tough, but yet I, I, I will say this now. I love Joe Girardi because that was the year. I mean, you look at that Yankee team and obviously I don't have the lineup in front of me, but you look at the overbays, you look at the Vern Wells, you look at the, the 10, 15 games that Euclid played before he hurt his back. Joe Girardi, that 2013 Yankee team was this close to making the wild card, okay? And that team was carried by Cano, and that team was carried at some point in the season of a somewhat hurt Curtis Granderson when he wasn't hurt, and then Teixeira was hurt all of that year, really. Uh, but Joe Girardi almost made that team a wild card team with literally – probably one of the worst rosters on paper in all of baseball. There was a pretty bad team there. And you look at 2014, and that was a decent year. Almost again, made the wild card. And 2015, that's when they signed Tanaka. And I believe that's the year they made the wild card, but lost to the Twins in the first round. I believe that's how it went. And then they didn't make the playoffs in 2016. And then they did in 2017. I think that's my memory. I haven't really looked at the record. Um, we'll take your word for it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> we'll I, fact I, check I it later. Say, yeah. I know they made it in 2017 because that's when uh, that was the, when the wild card against the Twins again. That's when Didi had the three run home run. That's when they had the Indian series that basically almost went the same way as this past one against the Rays, but the opposite, right? Like the Yankees had a few decision makings that not a lot of fans agreed with that Joe Girardi got a lot of heat for the Gary Sanchez uh, moment where he didn't challenge. There was that moment in the Indian series and the Yankees fell back in, you know, the five game series, the best of five, but the Yankees ended up moving on and that didn't happen this year. And then we all know what happened in Houston where the Yankees force, I believe it was game six in Houston you know, six-game series, um, well, seven-game series, but they played six games. And then you look at it where then after that, Joe Girardi's fired and let go because they didn't make the World Series, which still to this day makes no sense to me because then the next year you bring in someone that has zero experience managerial-wise, but probably the best roster on paper that the Yankees have had since 2009 when they last won the World Series. Still, of course – no true ace. We finally get that this year, but still, I don't think it was fair to Joe Girardi. Now, obviously this industry is not fair. Look what just happened with the right side, white Sox yesterday. Not fair, right? This industry is cruel, but still, I think you have to look at it where it's like, okay, where does this go from here? Right? So I think in general, you just have to understand this industry is not, um, it's cutthroat. Um, it's politics. It's, Sometimes, even if you win or make the World Series, you're going to get canned as a manager. So, and I think fans need to realize that the manager in this day and age in baseball is not a true baseball manager. You know, he's doing 
what the people above are telling them. Um, so if anything, I think that's when you start looking at the GMs and the analytics teams. That's when you need to start making changes because it's not going to go the other way anytime soon, in my opinion. I mean, I would still count this as, you know, the playoffs and the World Series. I'm not going to take that away. But, you know, 60 games was still very interesting to watch. Can you really, you know, blame people for their performances or give cheers to people's performances off this shortened schedule? I think you can't blame a poor performance because I have to look at it, and this is how I've tried to look at it, and it's a real question I've had. So for a long time, 48 games was looking like that was going to be the season, a 48-game season. But then they got it, the, the players, and remember the dog fight that we had? People forget that. <laughs> like, there's so much positivity right now with just playoff baseball, but people forget it was awful. It was hell, Yeah. right, for <laughs> a very long time. It seemed like a very long time, but I guess it wasn't in retrospect. Um, so I, I think when looking back at it, um, I always ask people – you know, reporters and even players, if, okay, you play 48 versus 60, what's more um, legitimate? Is a 48 game, that 12 game increase, it might not sound like a lot, but is that more legitimate? And they said, yes. But would an 82 game season be more legitimate than a 60 game season? Yes. Um, So I think obviously 82 versus 162, you get the point, right? But where, where do we get 162 from? That's because we did it every year. That makes the season legitimate. I, I get it. You know, I, I don't know, you know, why that is. Can they get away with doing 150? Yeah, you can get away with 60. We just did it. <laughs> um, so I, I think that whole thing I don't really buy into. I prefer, prefer 162 because that's obviously the most we've heard of, and that means more baseball. So as a fan, I want as much baseball as possible. So I'm okay with 162. You know, players were trying to still – train as if they were in season and not treating it like an off season so I think you look at all the different variables it's kind of tough to blame a poor performance in a 60 game season but people still do (laughs) Um, so that's my opinion well I will take it to the grave with (laughs) I'm admittedly one of the haters uh, especially in the Gary Sanchez realm too I mean he hit 143 this year was it was not good but (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully he has a, you know, a halfway decent and respectable year next year. That That's the goal. That's whatever. I don't want to get into the weeds on Gary Sanchez again, because God <laughs> only knows we've ranted too many times. Um, I want to talk about the NL, Alex, as well. You had the clear favorite in the Dodgers still alive, obviously. And then you had the two seed right behind him is the Atlanta Braves. We had talked about them. I think the general sentiment behind the Braves was, you know, they, they kind of had a tough draw. They'd have to play one of the Marlins or the Cubs if they advanced. And then, the, you know, the Reds are no slouch either to start off. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, between the Dodgers and the Braves in the NLDS, you go 6-0. and And now, I think on that side, we truly have a representation of these are the two best teams in the NL. Um, and now, unbeknownst to everybody, the Braves are up by a game. They beat the Dodgers last night. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what we should expect from this series in particular. I mean, this is a, uh, this is going to be a pretty big dogfight, in my opinion. You know, and you're seeing it right now, right? Like this series that the, the Dodgers and Braves are in, it's going to be good. And I think it's going to go seven games. I hope so, because 
number one, seven games versus six or five. Like that's more baseball. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think it will go seven games. I hope so. And I think you're going to start seeing like people don't understand how much there is in great pitching, like how much value there is in great pitching. And let's say the Braves and the Rays advance to the world series. Those are probably two of the best pitching staffs in baseball right now. Like the Braves rotation is pretty good with Ian Anderson. You have in there who's from upstate New York, played high school baseball at the high school. That's about 20 minutes from my house. Um, Ian Anderson's father was my sixth and seventh grade math and science teacher. Um, And Ian Anderson's father was the 20 plus year coach at my high school. So it's pretty cool to see Ian performing um, against the Dodgers for a chance to get into the World Series in his rookie year and doing a very good job doing it. So that's fun. That's a you know personal thing. You know, I said once the Yankees got eliminated, I'm going to be a Braves fan until the end of the season. I, I'm not a you know Braves fan. You know, I still you know I'm just rooting for a good series on both sides. But this this Braves and Dodgers series last night was an exciting game up until the ninth inning when the, the home run was hit. Yeah, yep. you know. I have to say, for the record, I tweeted this last week. I want to watch a baseball game where home runs aren't the only hits. I'm so sick and tired of it. Um, Every single postseason game has basically been decided by a home run, except for one, and that was the the Reds and the Cardinals. um, Ultra – was it Cardinals? I think the the very long – extra inning game i think it was the cardinals i might be wrong with that uh the that reds was and the cardinals. braves that was the braves and reds oh brave brave reds yeah braves reds yeah. yeah yeah brave reds um that extra inning game right and that wasn't decided by a home run that was a, just a walk-off hit so i wish we could watch baseball without home runs being the deciding factor every single game that's my opinion i want small ball back um because those games are more entertaining than the back and forth. I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I think the Rays have scored something like 34 runs. And I think it's like 28 or 30 out of those 34 runs were scored on home runs. Okay. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's just, uh, I don't know. I think that I I love the home runs for sure. I, I think I differ in that regard, but. Um, people need to get on base more, I guess, is uh, kind yeah. of what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm right with you in that sense. You know, I'm a, a clutch double or triple is always great. Uh, you know, the home runs are wonderful. I, I'm a Yankee fan. I can't really, I don't know anything else. Right. But yeah, um, it is what it is. So, you know, let's, let's look at the bracket here. You've got the, the Dodgers and the Braves that are chugging along here. Atlanta's got a one nothing lead. And then on the other side, Oh man, it's the Braves and the the godforsaken Houston Astros. Who, I don't think there's a soul in America rooting for Houston right now uh, to to get into the championship. But I don't know. Let's 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 play this out. So, Alex, curious to hear what you think. Uh, who's going to advance from each side uh, from the ALCS and then the NLCS? Well, I think you got to look at the Astros case. They've hit the ball very hard in the first two games. Their offense kind of hasn't been there. I, I think people think that the Astros offense is in a slump. I think you're ridiculous if you say that because their offense has just had bad luck. And 
now if you're obviously a fan of any other team except the Astros, you're saying, oh, who cares? <laughs> the Astros have bad luck, uh, whatever. Good for them. Uh, but no, I honestly think that the offense for the Astros is really going to come back. I really do think that. I think the next few games are going to go the Astros' way um, if they can just – if luck goes on the Astros' side offensively, I think they're going to be okay. Um, now, whether or not – they don't have the pitching, right, that the Tampa Bay Rays do have. But if the Astros' offense – I mean, you can if – the, if the Astros' offense is able to score runs, right, then that's, that's what you got to do um, to win games, obviously. So, if the Astros get by – I'm kind of hoping, just for craziness, I kind of want to see a Dodgers-Astros World Series. That's just my oh. craziness. I do, <laughs> right? Like, that would be insane. Like, what are the odds? In 2020, out of the, again, here's a word, unprecedented. The most unprecedented year. And we have Astros-Dodgers World Series. God forbid, if the Astros win, I, I tweeted this last week. It would be the most 2020 thing to happen that the Astros win the World Series. Yeah. People forget that's how this year started. That's what the storyline <laughs> of the spring training was, was the Astros sign-stealing scandal. That's what sh- rock baseball. And then they win the World Series, and, a, and it would be insane. So for, like, the craziness side, I kind of just want to see what happens just for the hell of it. <laughs> but I also want to see – the Dodgers beat the Astros and then them get kind of the payback that some people might say the Astros deserve. So that's my opinion. We'll see what happens though. I think the Braves are very good though. Um, And the Dodgers are kind of well known for, for not being able to get the job done in the postseason. So we'll see what happens. What does, I guess as well, the, what does Tampa have to do to beat Houston too? Because they're clearly the – I think this year, they, they, they're they carrying the momentum. They've got the good young bats, and they've pretty much cruised. The Yankees gave them a pretty hard time. But now they're up 2 nothing. I mean, what, what does Tampa have to do to win these last couple of games? It might sound cliche, but honestly, keep doing what they're doing. Kevin Cash is making all the right moves with a bullpen, calling in, all, you know, he's hitting all the right buttons, right? That's what Girardi did back in 2017 for the most part. He was able to – he's been able. I mean, look at what happened with the Yankee game, uh, game five, or game four, uh, five, whatever it was, um, game five against the Yankees. And, you know, he was able to bring everyone in and maneuver through a Yankee offense that was almost the same offense right now as Houston. Hard hit balls, luck not going their way. Offense kind of disappeared for the Yankees. Offense kind of starting off disappearing uh, with the Astros. So I think you got to play it safe and honestly just keep doing what the Rays have been able to do with the with the Yankees and what they're doing right now up two games against the Astros. Prediction. I know you were saying possibly Astros, Dodgers, but who do you want to win? Or who do you think will win if that's the case? You know, I honestly do think that this is a Dodgers year. I think this is – they did the shake-up move, right? They shook things up. They got Mookie Betts, probably one of the best outfielders, not named Mike Trout, in all of the game of baseball. And when you make a move like that, that's when you get the chance to move on. And I think that's why the Dodgers deserve and should win the World Series because they had the biggest move in 
decades uh, to get Mookie Betts in the offseason. So I think that's why um, that they'll make the most, the most sense to move on. Excellent. All right, Alex, tell our listeners where they can follow along uh, social media for yourself and also your podcast and any closing words. The floor is yours. Well, thank you again for having me on. You can follow me on all social media platforms. My name, Alex Hughes, Alex F-E-U-Z, like a fuse box. And you can listen to a whole new ballgame wherever you can get podcasts on. And again, Jake and Will, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. It's been a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Alex. Take care. Awesome. And that was just Alex Fuse. Great conversation with him regarding all things baseball. Check out his different podcast. Um, a lot of great guests that he has on. And now let's head to our positivity corner. Um, the one I'm going to say does, isn't really a huge surprise. You might have saw it on our Instagram as well, but Idaho potato worker becomes an internet sensation and sends Fleetwood Mac sales soaring with dreamy video. So if you've seen the famous TikTok video that is now circulated, it is Dogface420, I believe is his username. Um, With two Gs. Yes. He's just drinking, drinking some ocean ocean spray cran raspberry juice, uh, hopped on his longboard and just was vibing. I mean, I believe Jimmy Tatro said it perfectly. It's like that guy has, you know, created the best vibe of 2020 in this shit year. And stuff like this, when you see videos like this, it's like, that's what TikTok and social media is made for. You know, everyone gives TikTok a lot of shit, but like something like that, where it's like, you're creating a viral sensation that people are following and it's like clean hearted, it's fun. That's what it's made for. But going to why it's positive, you know, this man was just, uh, he's a, a happy, a happy guy that, you know, just is not really down on his luck, but, you know, not living his best life. He's, you know, at a potato processing plant. Um, he's 37 years old. He is just trying to, you know, make something best for him. And ocean ocean spray bought him a car. Yeah. He have a car anymore. And the video surpassed 35 million views. Um, ocean spray obviously took care of, you know, took care of the gentleman. And then you have uh, Fleet, you know, Fleetwood Mac himself. Fucking. Um, yeah, Fleetwood was, dude, he did the video, but he also, like, you look at this and their Dreams is back in the top 50 yeah. in the U.S. Like, you know how much money he's probably making off of yeah. that? He'd be doing something good for him. Yeah. So, shout out to Dogface. I mean, it's a fun video that just went, I mean, every, everybody was on doing it on social media and to see Mick, Mick Fleetwood do it. I mean, that's what it's like. Oh, the guy that I'm singing the song to made the video. Like, that's just awesome. Yeah, it's really good. And um, I hate to damper it, but he's also, he's also suing TikTok right now too, because I guess they, uh, TikTok got involved and they're like, yeah, we're going to start selling some shirts with his face on it. And he's like, oh no, you're not doing that. Hey, so man. smart man. Good for him. Good for him. Cheers to you, Nathan Apodaca. He was a, yeah, he was a, like a warehouse worker at the potato farm. Um, and now he's got a bunch of celebrities doing it. We had KJP, of course, dump a Starbucks all over a, a jack-o'-lantern on his head. We had our very own Will Tondo do it with the draft top and the folks over there. They loved it. 
and it's just a new trend. So good for that man. He started something new. Um, and that's that's it. That's our show. What do we forget? Dugout creative as always. Yeah, you know, dugout. They have a lot of great merch coming on the in the stores. I'm wearing the short sleeve sweatshirt, which is very very comfortable it's new era um but they're not just doing baseball stuff anymore they're having a lot of great football production they just made an awesome clean clean shirt for the lakers championship um so check out their website i know we spoke to jeremy kirby who's the ceo and we're gonna have him on the show eventually but he was telling us all the different products that are going to be coming out in the next few weeks and months so keep an eye out on their site and as always Use code BBBPOD for 15% off your purchase. Yeah, very excited for more stuff. Uh, my, I'm in Connecticut right now, and of course, my short sleeve hoodie gets to Providence today, so it's waiting for me when I arrive back later this week. I'm very excited for it. Um, you know where to find us on social media. We will be live at the Providence Pirates Combine later this week on Saturday if you are an aspiring professional basketball player and for some reason you are listening to beers business and balls and you want to make it big go to i think it's providence pirates uh, i'm, I'm going to screw it up but on social it's at pirates aba start there because they have it together and we don't know their website so not a great look um that'll be fun we will be there we will hopefully get to sit down with our friend sir john fenergy uh, along with a few of the other front office staff members so that'll drop at some point we don't know when but we're going to record live at the combine. We'll watch it. We'll, you know, give everyone the inside tips on who we should see coming to Providence this year. And other than that, I mean, we got a couple of more guests lined up for the next couple of weeks and it should be pretty good. Nice, healthy mix of beers, business and balls. So very good stuff. Uh, that will do it. We will be back next week. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long folks. Take it easy.